Alex Moset, and welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle between large tech monopolies and traditional incumbents. However, unfortunately, we aren't really going to be talking much about the incumbents today. We just com- continuously get mired down in this uh, monopoly talk with everything that's going on with these social media platforms and these content platforms. And it feels like every day there's a new like material groundbreaking story of what's going on with these. So I'm not even going to get to India banning all the Chinese apps uh, or, or not all, but about 59 or 60 of these Chinese apps, including TikTok. Um, we're going to get to that tomorrow morning. I think uh, maybe 10 a.m. Eastern. And I'm going to be joined by um, a, uh, colleague of mine we're both in the asia society together from india uh who's deep in 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 the know-how there of what's going on um and he's going to join us live tomorrow morning so that's going to be pretty exciting and um you know definitely don't miss that as as he'll be able to bring some really good local perspective about what's going on over there now what's going on over here in the united states facebook just seems to be Pissing everyone off. Uh, They just don't seem to be able to do anything right. If you take a step back and you look at what is happening in the world of these content platforms, right? So what do I mean by these content platforms? I'm talking about uh, user-generated content platforms where people, and that means, you know, ideally or theoretically, anyone can post their idea uh, or their content to the platform. That could be a Facebook slash Instagram that could be um, Google search with your website or YouTube. That could be Twitter. That could be Twitch. That could be Reddit. Um, and, and what you've seen now is a systemic clamping down by these platforms to try to regulate the speech on the platforms. And uh, what, we, what we talk a lot about on the show is as platforms try to be that moderator and that curator and that middleman of what is right and what is wrong, they're never going to get the balance right. It's literally an impossible task because some people will say you should be taking down less stuff. And then other people will say you should be taking down more stuff or you're taking down the wrong stuff. You're literally in pretty much an impossible position. And, you know, why this matters, and, and, and let's be clear that Across every content platform, some level of moderation or curation is needed. We talk about this in the book where, uh, you know, we use chat roulette as the example. We've spoken about it on the show before where you have literally no curation whatsoever. And that ecosystem, that community will ultimately kind of devolve into really inappropriate behavior and no one will want to go there anymore. And you know, I think the key thing, and we're going to talk about Facebook, we're going to talk about a Reddit and a Twitter, uh, and then just generally some, you know, how could we think about having that public discourse, that dialogue around um, what is right and what is wrong to moderate or to take off of a content platform, a content platform monopoly, let's clarify here, um, in the 21st century era. Right, just like you can't yell fire in a movie theater if there's no fire. You there's actually been precedent around this. You can 
get in trouble. You can be arrested for that. You're now causing unnecessary panic and fear uh, in a public forum, right? So what is the equivalent of that behavior online? And how should we think about uh, these different content platforms? Should we think about them all the same or should we think about them differently? So let's talk about Facebook. Um, Zuckerberg, you, you know, came out and said, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're going to let President Trump post what he wants to post and we're not going to do anything about it. Oh boy, did he say the wrong thing? Um, and now you've had multiple, you know, boycotts from ad agencies trying to get their clients to stop putting ads on Facebook. You've had um, all these other kind of nonprofits that are trying to get, uh, put pressure on brands that are advertising to stop. And so, you know, every day you kind of hear about some more brands that are jumping on the bandwagon. And what I've talked about before on the show is that financially, this is going to make zero impact on Facebook. Their stock went down. Full disclosure, I bought it. Um, because you know what? It's not going to make any financial difference to Facebook. How much revenue does Facebook do? Um, about $70 billion in 2019, a little north of that. Um, when you look at how Facebook generates revenue off of these ads, it's off of the long tail. It's really off of small business advertisers that are providing the majority of Facebook's ad revenue. So when you see these articles like this one, right? Facebook just lost one of the biggest advertisers in the world for the rest of 2020. You know, and, and I mean, if you're a Facebook investor, you're probably reading this like, oh boy, that's not good. They're going to lose a lot of money. And then you read the article and it's Unilever, by the way. And then, you know, you got to go like pretty far down into the article. Unilever, one of the biggest advertisers in the world, spends over $8 billion in 2019 on branding and marketing. That's a lot of money. Oh, boys. Facebook could really lose a lot of money. Then you read a little bit more. And you say, oh, Unilever spent $42 million on Facebook in 2019. And so far in 2020, they've spent $11.8 million total. $11.8 million on Facebook. So basically, Unilever said, we're not going to give Facebook like another $12 million in the second half of 2020. This stuff doesn't make a difference. This is more about, you know, the conceptual, the kind of emotional connection about where brands want to be putting dollars and these kinds of things. But from a financial standpoint for Facebook, they're a monopoly. Another article here sums it up pretty nicely. It's similar to what I've been saying. Investors on Facebook ad defections. There's no other place to go. That's called monopoly. The only other place to go is Google. And, 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 and those are kind of very different advertising uh, models here. And that's essentially what this article gets at. Um, so, you know, this article says the campaign called Stop for Hate is being organized by a handful of groups and, 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 and this one, Anti-Defamation League. Remember that. We're going to come back to that. So the head of the Anti-Defamation League is this guy, Jonathan Greenblatt. And he was saying that, you know, the measure was less about denting the company's finances than causing a wave of public relations pressure designed to appeal to Facebook's conscience. So that Facebook's top 100 advertisers, you know, these massive conglomerates, only account for about 20% of its revenue. It's actually lower than this. Um, it's less than 20% of their revenue. And again, it, they have that long tail. So again, that fragmentation of these advertisers, is it, it just goes to show Facebook's a monopoly. Now, Facebook, by the way, 
isn't perfect in any of this. They actually do take down a lot of content. Um, they took down the president of Brazil's uh, post on Facebook when he was talking about, I don't know, something like coronavirus wasn't, wasn't an issue or, or, or there's a cure for it or there's a vaccine or something. It's clearly fake news. It's, it's clearly not true. And unfortunately for Brazil, they're, they're in a pretty tough spot right now. So, but the point is this. You have the duly elected president of Brazil who's posting something on a monopoly content platform, Facebook. And I think they outright took down the post. Is that appropriate for a content platform monopoly to be able to uh, wholesale take that down? And I personally don't think that that's appropriate at all, even if it's fake news. And the reason why is that that is cramping down on free speech. When you are a monopoly platform, and we're going to talk more about Facebook being a monopoly versus everyone else outside of Google. And yes, it's a private company. But again, it's like uh, AT&T Ma Bell kicking off someone from the, from the telephone network. It's a monopoly and you're kicking off your, 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 at that point, you know, you, when you think about it as a public utility, that public square, now what are you doing when it comes to infringing upon civil liberties and the ability to say something? It's fake news entirely, uh, but you need to balance that. And ultimately, this is a country built on freedom uh, and the ability of free speech, literally the number one thing in the, in the bill of rights, this as a monopoly is very different if you're not a monopoly. So let's look at Facebook. They, it's not like they don't take down anything. They actually take down a lot of things. Facebook. Um, and I think too much Facebook here, this is a code of conduct report from the EU. And so basically the EU monitored thousands of notifications sent to the different content platform companies you have Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and a couple others here I'm not familiar with. And then they monitored the reaction and the response time of the platforms. And then they benchmarked this and published this report. So you can basically see uh, they did this and they have a report here for, for about for the past four years they've been doing this. And here are the removals per company. So you see here, Facebook is at the top. Now they do this by year. So, so, you know, blue is uh, 2016, red 2017, green 2017, but December 2017. So later in the year, purple is 2018 and this like teal is 2019. So look at Facebook progressively year over year is taking down more content per uh, flagged like notification or, or complaint. This is saying they took down 87.6. You, you make 100 uh, notifications or, or violation flags, content flags to Facebook. They took down about 87, 88 of those. And they, they, got back to, uh, they got back to the person that flagged the content within 24 hours. They all did this, actually. You can see how this splits across the other platforms. Twitter, ironically enough, is down at 36%. So Facebook from this EU report is actually taking down the most stuff relative to their other peers being YouTube, Twitter uh, on the list. They also have Instagram here, but there's not as much data for that. Um, so 
they have time frames here of how fast did the platform get back to them and all these kinds of it's really interesting report. Basically, Facebook takes down uh, a lot of things and they rank them pretty high in this report and say, hey, you know, Facebook, you actually did a pretty good job. Um, so anyway, now Zuckerberg, it looks like they're, you know, they're saying, OK, well, now we're going to tag harmful posts. And they're they're making some concessions to um, the audience of brands and advertisers here that you know that that have been putting pressure on Facebook. Um, is Facebook a monopoly? Facebook is absolutely a monopoly, and we need to think about Facebook and Google differently than the other content platforms because when you have a monopoly, you have a different amount of power. When you ban your users or your creators or your consumers. You have a different impact on their ability to, you know, voice their opinion, participate in, com- in, in kind of digital conversation and so on and so forth. So, well, why, is fa- why are Facebook and Google monopolies? Well, here's their 2019 digital ad revenues. Um, this is showing Facebook at $67 billion in 2019, Google at $100 billion. Uh, I think around maybe $20 billion or so of that uh, is, is YouTube revenues. I think low 20, 20s billions of dollars, somewhere around there is YouTube. So even if you just kind of take out Google search and then YouTube, YouTube in the, in the low 20s of billions of dollars still clocks in as the number two. Uh, Facebook being the, the, um, the number one kind of content platform in, in that regard. But again, Google search also is a content platform. Amazon would be the number three US-based digital advertiser, but uh, on, on obviously, you know, ads for, for shopping products. So now, you know, when you think about this in, in the context of overall digital ad revenue, overall advertising spend, this is what the plat- these platforms will say, oh, well, we're not a monopoly. We only have, you know, X percent of the overall ad market. You know, there's much other, there's many other big players out there and we're clearly not a monopoly. But what you have to start thinking about is, these content platforms have monopolies over certain types of communication, right? Over certain types of content types. Um, YouTube on videos, Facebook on, um, you know, the, uh, the kind of uh, uh, social network posts, right? Um, a, a Twitter has a different content format. They have different interaction models. And so this is where the nuance of how the platform operates, where, you know, Facebook, you have a double opt-in dynamic, right? Um, I have a friend network. Facebook limits how many friends you can have and you can, you can be friends with. Um, they've started to add, add a follow model over the past few years, similar to more like a Twitter. And Twitter's always had that kind of, I can follow and I can, I can have a double opt-in model as well. So when you think about your other channels that you can go to, if a Facebook kicks you off, if a Google kicks you off, if a Twitter kicks you off, you can start to see how your ability to reach that audience becomes very limited very quickly. And so what I've advocated for in the past is to have more speech rather than less speech, to have a noisier conversation rather than a more finely tuned and regulated conversation. Now, we're going to get into those different types of content uh, interactions in, 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 in a second here. But when you think about Facebook 
and treating them differently than a Twitter or a Reddit, right? Look at Twitter's revenue here. 2.7 billion 2019. I think maybe now they're probably on trend for about $4 billion in revenue. It still pales in comparison to Facebook and a Google, uh, which are platform conglomerates. They have multiple different content platform businesses, right? Um, so if any one of the platform conglomerates kicks you off or bans you, it's very different than Twitter. Twitter has a lot of influence, but it's very different than a Facebook or a Google, right? And so I think we need to think about those companies differently uh, in terms of this idea of, hey, they're all private companies. Hey, they can all do what they want. Very different when you're a Facebook or Google and the dominance that you have over your content platforms, plural, versus just a Twitter. Twitter is big, but still, in comparison, it's very clear that Google and Facebook have a much more commanding part of the market uh, than the other content platforms. And so therefore, when you look at what a um, Reddit did recently, so Reddit kicked off 2,000 of their sub subreddits, kind of these communities. They kicked off a, um, a left-leaning community called Chapo Trap House, and then they kicked off a right-leaning community called The Donald. And so they said, hey, we are kicking off left and right, and then, you know, 1,998 other communities. While I disagree with this, and I think that more speech is better, frankly, a Reddit, a Twitter, they're not monopolies. And so when you think about their ability to prune and more finely prune and curate that ecosystem, they should have the ability to do so. Private company, not a monopoly, right? Very different than Facebook, Google monopolies. Now. DOJ and FTC's ability to prove Facebook, Google as monopoly, that's a whole other thing. Uh, and we talk about that separately on the show. But private companies, not monopolies, should have a much wider uh, range of curation when it comes to how they want to police that ecosystem, what kind of behavior they want to curate on that platform. Whether or not I think it's, you know, I agree with it or not, uh, you know, that is fair. So the CEO of Reddit is this guy named Steve Huffman. You know, he is also on the board of the Anti-Defamation League. And the Anti-Defamation League is one of those organizations leading the charge against Facebook. So there are a lot of reasons why there's a lot of pressure against Facebook. Ad agencies, as I've talked about, they hate Facebook. Facebook has destroyed the margins in the ad agency business. The publishers and the newspapers also hate Facebook because they've also destroyed their margins, Facebook and Google, both of them single-handedly. Um, the, these other nonprofits where like the Anti-Defamation League, Steve Huffman's on the board of, of one of their committees. You know, Steve Huffman, a smaller platform in Reddit, um, wanting to put pressure on the platform monopoly that is Facebook. Point is, there are a lot of different reasons why Facebook has become the punching bag and a lot of people want to put pressure on, you know, the, uh, the kingmaker that is Facebook. Meanwhile, Facebook actually does do a lot of curation. They actually do a lot of this pruning and I actually think too much so, as I was just talking about, as we can see in that EU report um, and some other anecdotal examples of where they've done this. So. 
It'll be interesting to see how much Zuckerberg bends the knee, if at all, or if it's all just kind of talk or, or what their stance changes and if they change their approach to curation and become much more aggressive like what we've seen Twitter and Reddit. Um, but it's very disconcerting at a high level where you see a kind of holistic, measured, systemic approach to try to clamp down on the dialogue that's taking place on these digital content platforms. And when it happens at the monopoly level versus these still large but but private companies that aren't monopolies, I think we need to be thinking and treating these cases very differently and judging them very differently. And when you are a monopoly, um, because you have such dominance, because you have this platform conglomerate positioning where you own multiple content platform businesses, we as a society really need to have a dialogue around what's appropriate or what's inappropriate in terms of regulating or taking down content that might be fake news, uh, that might be harmful, and so on and so forth. We've read the language in Section 230, right, um, that, that might fit the definition of that harmful, abusive um, content that fits that Section 230 definition. And just like we've had a discourse for decades about what's appropriate going back to my movie theater, fire movie theater example, and that being inappropriate. What is the equivalent online? And that doesn't mean that we should come up with a list of rules. And now that list of rules needs to be applied to every private content platform business. No. But when you have monopoly status, there should be some protected domains, which will be less curated, which will be um, more dilutive in the sense that it won't be as curated of an experience. It won't be as, say, clean of an experience. But what you're doing is you're doing that to protect civil liberties and free speech. So let's talk about what a few examples, what are a few mechanisms in there, a few interaction models that we see across these different types of content platforms. In the past, I've spoken about kind of the, the, the four mechanisms that content platforms have used to penalize producers and creators. Real quick, that would be banning a user outright, suspending a user, taking down a user's post, or shadow banning that post so it gets less visibility, right? So pretty much the four mechanisms. Twitter added a fifth by modifying the post and kind of putting that informational box and then putting other content to show uh, you know, an opposing point of view directly on the post, right? They added the fifth, but usually there's four. So what are those kind of key interaction models as we think about, hey, what did this person do online just like yelling fire in a movie theater? One of the most common is I posted a post, right? I didn't tag anyone in it, right? So I'm not specifically kind of uh, targeting someone or harassing someone online. If you think about like you can tag someone in the post. Um, I'm not uh, leaving a comment on someone else's thread. And you kind of think, uh, so some of these some of these content platforms have said like like this one uh, Parler, which just launched. You know their slogan is if you can scream it on the streets of New York City, then you can say it here in Parler. And now there's an article that recently came out and said Parler is also banning users it doesn't like. 
um, to kind of show the the irony and or, or the hypocrisy with that statement. And so it's very hard to say, yeah, every single user can do anything they want on this community and we're not going to kick anyone off or we're not going to take any kind of corrective action. That's not what I'm saying, even for the content platforms like a Facebook or, or a Google slash YouTube. Um, if it's a private company and you're not a monopoly, like a parlor, Reddit, Twitter, you know, you have much, you should have much more leeway to run your business as a private business that is a monopoly. It's when you cross the, over these thresholds, right? So if I'm posting a post and it's fake news, um, this is, it's incorrect information. Uh, and it, it, you know, it could be, uh, it, 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 it could, it could be defamation. It could be, uh, speaking inappropriately about uh, um, uh, some kind of topic or something like this, right? You know, there's precedent in our courts to be able to bring a defamation case and so on and so forth, right? There's precedent for how you can handle that. Now, enforcing those and getting those through the courts is a whole other thing, um, but it's very different, that kind of interaction model versus if you think about I am now going into someone's thread. This person posted a post. I'm going into their territory. I'm going into their comments, right? Or I, they, um, they, they posted something and now I'm going after them. I'm kind of uh, chasing them or harassing them online, right? That harassing kind of behavior. It's a very different behavior. Now I'm going into your space, right? But if you post something in your space and you're not tagging someone in the post, I think that should be looked at differently than I'm going into your thread and I'm commenting uh, profusely or commenting hateful things or these kinds of things um, in your, you know, kind of to, uh, to kind of uh, commandeer your thread, right? And those are two very different types of behaviors. Similarly, right, if you are uh, just kind of yelling on the street or causing a, a commotion versus kind of going up to someone in their face and, and, and really kind of trying to, to, it, to directly go after someone. Kind of the, the digital equivalent of that is you're going, you're, you're, you're tagging them directly in a post, or you're going into their comment thread, you're specifically going after people. Similarly, with the idea of posting people's personal information, you know, you have this whole idea of doxing on the internet where um, you're posting people's information. You're, you're really trying to personally harm someone or post their personal information and, and that kind of direct harassing type of behavior. Um, how should we think about those things? How should we start thinking about these different interaction models in the context of content platform monopolies? We have not had a public discourse around that. We have not had a dialogue that says, um, this is appropriate or this is inappropriate. Or you know what? I don't agree with this information. But we don't want to find ourselves in a position where online free speech is now considered a luxury as opposed to a right. And, and the latter is what should be true in this country. And that's what this country was built on. And now it's a stretch, right? Because there isn't total free speech, even rewind the clock like 30 years ago, pre the internet, pre content platforms, all this stuff. 
you don't have total free speech in the sense that you can't go into the movie theater and yell fire. But there's a public discourse around where are the boundaries, right? What is appropriate? What is inappropriate? We haven't had that. Now, in order to have that conversation, you got to narrow the conversation because you can't just have that holistically and say every content platform needs to follow these rules. Because what you will do if you make every content platform follow some, some set of rules is now you're also going to clamp down on the ability for them to compete. So what you've seen is when Reddit bans these communities, these communities have now gone and created their own apps or their own little sites like this parlor app, right? That's great because now you have this competition. You have these smaller communities that are still popping up and the, and the conversation can continue itself, right? Um, so you want that to happen. If you now make rules that have to be applied to the smaller content platform startups, it will be so restrictive for those, plat- those startups to comply with the rules that you're actually just benefiting the tech monopolies. We've seen this with the GDPR laws that they've passed in Europe, where those laws are applying to all businesses. And we've said before, Facebook and Google should be kissing the feet of the EU uh, legislators because those tech monopolies have the most resources and the best data and the tools to comply with those laws the best. So it actually puts such a prohibitive, um, kind of anti-competitive restraint on smaller companies that are trying to build their business and use resources just to build their business. Now they also have to make all these investments and comply with all these rules. And so it hurts the kind of startup, the competitive dynamic in the ecosystem. So when we talk about rules, when we talk about regulation, it's very different when it's about the monopoly versus smaller non-monopoly private companies. So if you focus the conversation around that, now we can start to have um, a debate about what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. And I would love to hear from all of you about what are the kinds of behaviors, what are the kinds of interaction models on these monopoly content platforms that you think are appropriate or inappropriate, even if the content is fake, blatantly fake, even if the content, you know what, is harmful or uh, you know, offensive. Should it still be online? And the problem is, if you don't think it should be online, who should determine what's appropriate and inappropriate? And will you ever be able to find the right balance of appropriate or inappropriate? And the answer is no. You'll never be able to find the right balance. And so that's what, uh, you know, is the beauty of, of, of the American Republic and these civil liberties that, that we provide to um, our residents and our citizens, right? So now how does that map to these content platform monopolies? We need to have that conversation. There needs to be a discourse as opposed to systemic initiatives to put pressure, um, immense pressure. You know, these things don't happen by accident. These are coordinated initiatives to put pressure on the Facebooks of the world, on the Googles of the world, and to have them comply. But who are they to figure out what's appropriate or inappropriate? That's the conversation we need to have um, as a country, as a free society, um, as a legislature, as as the judiciary branch. And we haven't had that discourse yet. So 
I would love to hear from you all about what you think is that right balance. If we narrow the conversation on these content platform monopolies on the Facebook and Googles, not everyone, uh, what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. And the beauty of this, by the way, is once you hit monopoly status, we want to have competition. So once you hit monopoly status, if you have to comply with these rules, these rules, by the way, will hurt your business. We're seeing it in broad daylight, right? It's the more curated content platforms that are able to appeal to their, to their users better, are able to kind of create that cleaner uh, type of uh, ecosystem. We see this in the book. We talk about this in the book, right? You need curation. So what you're saying is, hey, you're a monopoly. You know what? You make Google had, I mean, Facebook had $70 billion in revenue and $19 billion in net income. Those margins are crazy. That's called monopoly money. So once you hit monopoly status, how do you help make other tech startups competitive? And the answer is, if you have regulation or if you have uh, policies that the content platform monopolies have to follow and the smaller tech startups and, I, and I'm including a Reddit and a Twitter in that, as well as these smaller ones like a parlor, don't have to follow. That, by definition, is helping to even the playing field between the content platform monopolies, which are going to have a less curated environment, a more dilutive environment, a more, say, a potentially offensive or harmful environment. And so that means that advertisers might be less willing to advertise there, and users might be less... Uh, attractive to engage there. But again, that's now a kind of forcing function to help even the playing field between the monopoly content platforms and the uh, up and coming content platforms. So that's kind of what I like about uh, treating and, and drawing this line in the sand. And, no, and none of this, none of what's going on right now has really drawn that line in the sand. It's all, everyone needs to comply by the same rules. And if you don't comply by the same rules, you're wrong and horrible and, and, and all your advertisers are going to boycott you. But when you do have that line in the sand and we do think about monopolies differently than everyone else, you can start to have a more focused and nuanced conversation about what's appropriate or inappropriate. And that's what I think will be really interesting. I'd love to hear from all of you on what your thoughts are and, and where you think those boundaries are uh, um, as it relates to these monopolies. So let me know. We'll follow up on this. This topic's not going anywhere. Tomorrow, we will talk about uh, the India-China banning and some other things. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us.